Hey guys, Choose Recovery Podcast again with another Dose of Hope episode. This one is from one of the residents at Freedom House. Her name is Deborah, and Deborah has helped out Choose Recovery before. Any of you guys who've gotten orders, who live local, maybe you can come and see some of our summer market booths that we've done before. If you've seen uh, her in the booth or you've seen her write the thank you notes on any of your stuff, uh, sign Deborah. That's who this is, and so super stoked that she came on the Dose of Hope episode uh, that Freedom House does, and we're going to air that here on the Choose Recovery podcast as well. So enjoy. Buddy, this is Jennifer Waller, and it is so good to be back with you this week on our weekly Dose of Hope radio show. I am just so excited for today's broadcast, and I know I might say that every week, but I am just honored and privileged to get to sit in the same room as all of these kings and queens that are running in recovery that have powerful, powerful stories of hope, and that is really what this talk show is about. We work down here in Soldatna at a place called Freedom House. It is a long-term recovery residence. We have a men's house. We have a women's house. Um, we house men and women coming out of prison, out of rehabs, out of homelessness. Really anyone that's saying, you know what? I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. And if they want to be discipled in the word of God and uh, prayer and get involved in churches, we are the place that they come to. And we're so honored to get to walk alongside. We have about 20 men and women between both houses that are living with us right now. And so it's so amazing. We get to see God move on the daily. When you hang out around Freedom Houses or any ministry that is proclaiming the name of Jesus, what an honor and privilege we get to see him move in the life. Some weeks we talk about topics. We address mental health awareness. We address addiction to drugs and alcohol. Um, but also eating, overeating, and shopping, and spending, and pornography. There's so many kinds of addictions out there that the enemy, the whole key that the enemy is trying to do through addiction, no matter what it is, is to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to steal your life. He wants to kill your relationships. He wants to destroy families and marriages. That is literally what he does. But the end of that Bible verse says, but I have come to give life and to give it abundantly. Thank you, Jesus. And that is why we're here today. We're talking about the abundant life that Jesus gives. We're talking with this queen sitting in the studio with me. Her name is Deborah. Um, what does that name, do you know what your name means? It's a powerful, powerful name, but do you know? I looked it up the other day too. So Deborah means bee, like a bzz, bzz, honeybee but in a more prophetic way, talk a little bit about what it means in the Bible. Okay, so uh, Deborah was uh, one of the only female prophetesses. She was a judge and she was also a war strategist. Um, she planned uh, King David's war strategy and would even march um, him and his troops to the front line, but could not fight um, as being a woman. Wow, yes, I love it. And if you guys ever get to know or meet the Deborah I'm sitting here with, I see that all over you. God has such a powerful plan for your life. You are anointed. God's anointing is greater than the attack, as you guys will hear, of what the enemy tried to do in her life, which was to kill, steal, and destroy. 
But here she is today with me in the studio, and you guys are going to get to hear her story. So why don't you tell us what God has done in your life? Okay, well, hello, I'm Deborah. Um, so I was born in Portland, Oregon in 1986 and I started out um being taken from my mom at birth um and put into the foster care system uh, when I was like six months old my aunt Carol came down and got me um from Oregon and brought me to my grand grandmother's house where my mother came to live also for uh several years um she didn't like the way they were really regarding her in some aspects and felt like they were too controlling. So when they were gone on vacation, she left with me and she was not very capable uh, at being a parent. She was neglective and just wasn't really capable with her mental problems of being a good mother. So when I was nine years old, she gave me away to foster care um, I spent several years in the foster care system in Washington State, and uh, I remember the first three months of that, I wasn't allowed to see her, and in fact, I thought I'd been kidnapped Aww. Uh, at nine. Um, they had me, took me from my day camp and away from my mom, and I was yelling and screaming, like, help, someone's kidnapping me, and I didn't understand why no one was helping me. And that's the start of trauma, one of the starts of trauma in my life. When I was living um, with her, I experienced neglect and also was sexually abused by her boyfriend. Mm -hmm. And when I was nine, I went into foster care and um, was in several different foster homes during that time. When I was 12, I ran away from foster care and started uh, using illegal substances at 12 years old. At 12 years old. Wow. And I I ran away for almost a year. Uh, during that time, at about eight months in, I got caught uh, shoplifting and was transferred to a lock-in group home in Marysville, which I ran away from as soon as I, I could. I ran away from school because they had to take you to school. And that was the start of my addiction in life. And things got got worse from there. Uh, I did get guardianship of me when I was 14, 15. And moved to Eastern Washington with my best friend, her mother, who is now my mother. And things were going great for a while until she relapsed after 16 years clean off alcohol and became a raging alcoholic. And at that point... It just refueled my addiction. The stability and family that I'd always want and thought I had came crashing down. Mm -hmm. uh, she married a man who was very physically abusive to her. And he, uh, I ended up um, having a physical altercation with him when he was abusing her and got kicked out of there when I was almost 17, in which I got emancipated at that time. and finished high school there. Uh, I wasn't allowed to have contact with my grandparents till that time who loved me and missed me very much. So when I graduated high school, I decided to come to Alaska where they lived, which is how I became a resident of Alaska in 2004. And 
I ended up getting married, meeting a man um, where I worked and getting married and having a family and things went well for quite some time. There was a time where things hit the fan. I had still not ever dealt with the trauma and emotional damage I had had from my childhood. And there was things I didn't realize getting married so young about the person I married. And I became very depressed. We ended up separating and I relapsed um, off drugs at that time. And things got pretty bad. At that time, I had no relationship with God. Uh, I ended up getting in some trouble and going to jail. And in that time is my second run-in with Jennifer. Um, the first time was when I was in college and sober and married um, when she was in college. But I ran into her when she was just doing prison ministry. And that's the first time I really developed a, a relationship with Christ and found Christ in my life is when I was pregnant with my second daughter. And Jennifer was going in there doing prison ministry. And also the house mom that's here was also there, yes, funny enough, it. developing a relationship with God at that same time. Mm. And so there's this beautiful web that Jesus was spinning even at yeah. that time in my life. And I just, I didn't know, it, but I was on fire for God. And I, I worked with everything I had to start a new life. I got out, got a new apartment. Jennifer was there at the hospital along with her mom, came and see me with the baby. I got um, my divorce finalized, half custody of my older daughter, and things were great. I mean, life was great. And and uh, and when Peyton, my second daughter, was six months old, she died unexpectedly in her sleep. Mm. Um, my older daughter was there, too. And to say the least, it was very traumatic. Yes. And things quickly fell apart and... I quickly declined in my relationship with God, too, and relapsed into my addiction. I lost my place, really somewhat lost my mind, and I was so angry with God through all that, and it just sent me into this, these years of addiction and depression and just trying to survive, and I went through so many bad things during that time, lots of people dying, seeing my friends die in addiction abusive relationships and all that and I just felt like there was no hope left in my life whatsoever I completely just gave into the darkness and accepted it to my life that that was my fate and um that my only hope in life was just to live till I died just for my daughter's benefit not even my own because I had no desire to live at that point and even then, like, God, I look back and God was just had his hand in everything I was doing. He saved me so many times I should have been deceased. So many times I should have not been able to make it through that dark time. But he just, he kept pulling me up out of those pits just because he knew where I would come someday. Because he's always had a plan for my life. Yes. And if you're sitting in the darkness, hopeless, just know there's a different way because I'm about to tell you how he moved in my life. Yes. He, I did end up getting, catching a charge and um, a drug charge, going to jail. And I remember this piece when I got arrested. I mean, I was upset because I had a cat that was, you know, that I loved very much. But um, 
when I went in just felt this relief and I I had felt like before that something was big is about to change like I wasn't going to be able to be around these people anymore and it was weird because I was making these errands trying to help people and just tell them how much I love them and part of that was I'd lost so many people to addiction but part of that was God was preparing me he knew I had to separate from that and he was preparing me for the path and so I went to jail and they they said, okay, we're going to give you legal representation. I said, no, I want to represent myself and I want to ask for a flat time offer. And they were like, well, our flat time offer is 23 months. And I said, I want it. I'll take it right now. And that's unheard of. I mean, that's not something I had ever done, but, um, (laughs) Jesus was, the Holy spirit was speaking to my heart at that time. And I cried afterwards. Oh yeah. Yes. Big tough Deborah cried. Let's put that in the book. (laughs) And I did. And there was this whole web of plan that I can't have time, don't have time to explain to you, but in jail, I found the courage to want to try to get sober, which I had totally said, I will never get sober. I never want to be sober. I never want to deal with the pain of losing my daughter. And I would say that. And I found out my best friend died when I was in jail the same week that would have been my younger daughter's birthday that had passed away. Mm-hmm. And something inside me said, you're a part of the problem. You need to stop. And it was so strong. And then I got a letter the next week from a friend in treatment saying, Hey, if I can do this, you can do this. It's changing my life. Oh, cool. Try to go here. You can ankle monitor there. And I didn't yeah. even know that was a thing. So I could go there early. And so I harassed them for, for it took months. So I decided I'm going to be sober. And, and just then, like then the enemy came at me in attack and there was, um, uh, drugs flooded the jail and they were like available easily. And it was totally attack from Satan yes. on, on my path because right. the path that I'm leading is powerful and I'm going to reach into the darkness for you guys. And I'm telling you right now, that's what Satan didn't want, but I stayed clean yes. and I stayed harassing them to go to treatment. And I got transferred to treatment, did three months inpatient where I started, uh, right before I went, Oh yeah. Right before I went, I started doing Bible study, which is not my thing. But I just felt this pull to it. And I said, you know, I'm not going to be scared to try anymore. And I did. And, and I in treatment, I started doing it every day. And we had a group of women. And it, it started changing my life. And I just started praying. And I remembered that my grandfather years ago had told me about Freedom House. And I'd heard about it. And I remembered that uh, he was trying to get me to go. And I was like, yeah, yeah, Grandpa. And he had volunteered to help remodel it and I was like okay I'm gonna see about going there and I called and they said well we usually don't take people from out of town because I was in Anchorage at the time but I'm going to uh, let you keep calling and checking in and they ended up accepting my application I had to call and check in and I ended up getting transferred there from treatment and that was almost nine months ago I believe eight or nine months ago and Hold on right there because I want to just interject right here. When we were remodeling this building, um, it needed about a half a million dollars in remodeling before the city of Soldatna allowed us to make this the Women's Freedom House to get it up to code and stuff. And Deborah's grandpa was, there was two men that were key vital players in the whole five months of remodeling and her grandpa was one of the key players. He would show up 9 a.m. and would give eight hours of his time, day after day, week after week, month after month. And one day I remember coming into the upper room and he was hammering away. 
um, on this two by four because we had to rip out walls and remodel kitchens and this whole building was gutted and redone and 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 he was crying and I a tear hit the two by four and I said Earl are you okay what's the matter and he was pounding this nail and he said I'm doing this for my granddaughter one day and this was when Deborah was still out in her addiction and he was saying one day I'm gonna see her sober and he's not a young chicken right he's he's up there in age and he's was proclaiming and believing and sewing with his physical strength into this home, which Deborah is now the senior resident of. It literally just just makes my heart melt. It's been so cool to see. Okay, so about Grandpa Earl, you can continue on in your journey. Okay, now that I'm about to cry I know. about my papa. He's amazing. And and it's so it is so beautiful. And God had a plan for me to be here. Yes. And um and so I got accepted at Fremont. So like I said, I've been here eight months. And, you know, I got here and the girl I was transferred to Highland with was the house mom. The girl that was in jail with me reading the Bible for the first time for both of us when I was pregnant. And Jen is the house mom. And, like, there's these beautiful path that the Lord had set out that I could never see in the darkness. Right. It was like I had fallen into a well in the ground and couldn't see any light. But, you know, there was beautiful women that had been brought to the light themselves that reached down with a flashlight and a rope and pulled me up when I wasn't strong enough to carry myself up to the light when I couldn't see it. So why would I keep trying to move towards the light when I can't see any? I was lost in the darkness, gave up and just sat down and made myself comfortable. But, you know, there was beautiful women out there that led that light for me and led me to the light so I could reach out for it myself. And I was scared to try, and I thought that there's this life for other people and this God for other people, but not for me. Because I, I wasn't good enough because I had wasted my opportunity because I could never make it. And I didn't even know if I cognitively thought those things, but I believed them in my innermost core. Mm-hmm. But there was a hope. No matter how dark it gets, there was a hope. I mean, I would felt discarded my whole life and didn't even know it. I would felt like... You know, I was never going to try because I didn't want to be hurt again. Yeah. But I'll tell you what, it's worth it. And don't give up. Just reach out. There are people out there that do care and do want to help. And there is a God and there is another way of life. I'm so, I have a beautiful life. I work. I This Thanksgiving I spent with my 91-year-old grandfather yes. and my daughter at my ex-husband's house. Wow. And we had a beautiful meal and we had so many hugs and stories and loves and there wasn't anything wrong. And I couldn't even have imagined that a couple years ago. Right. I couldn't imagine being sober for 14 months on the first. It'll be on the first. It'll be 14 months. Woo! No cigarettes. <laughs> um, you know, no men and nothing. Right. And I am happy. It's wow. not a struggle. I'm not biting my nails and that's not me. I mean, I had become a very violent person. I was very dependent on cigarettes for 20 years, very dependent. And God will, if you just don't give up. And at first, the enemy is going to come at you hard. Mm -hmm. But there's another way, even for you, even if it's hopeless. And there's another life you couldn't even imagine. I mean, you think he doesn't want to answer my prayers. Well, he thinks bigger and has a plan bigger than your prayers could even encompass. But keep praying and keep trying. Yes, and girl. things can get better. Um, he's just transformed my life and who I am. And I'm going to keep reaching out in the darkness. And you know what? The enemy still comes at me. Yep. And I still want to feel like I'm not worthy. Maybe I'm fooling myself. Maybe I'm not good enough for this life. But I am. 
And that's what the enemy wants you to think. You know, you think that like, oh, well, you know, I've already made my mistakes. It's too late for me. It's not too late. You've got air in your lungs and blood in your veins. It's not too late. That's right. Preach, girl. It's never too late. And I don't know. I can't say enough. Like the beautiful things that that he's doing. Um, Some of my friends in addiction, you know, I still pray for them every day. And I'll pray for you, too. Like please because it's like there's people out there you may not realize that love you and there's people looking to you like I know some people are like oh I don't add anyone still an addiction on my Facebook well if the moment they come a problem for me I won't I will delete them but you know what I leave them on there I add them all the time because that is a light in the darkness that is to show someone who came from where you came from can make it and can find happiness and there's something different and I'm telling you now the difference is God yes the difference is God. Yes. And I couldn't do this without him because I am not strong enough. I am not able to do these things I'm doing. He will give you the strength. Yes. And he He only can make you strong through your weakness. And giving that to him, yeah. that's where true strength is derived from. I used to think true strength was from beating people up or not having feelings. Or not giving people enough of yourself mm. to, to hurt you. But true strength is having a heart and trying and caring and being able to admit your weaknesses and give them to God. That's true strength. Yes. I've never known strength like that. Mm. So good. Well, let me just interject another story here. But before I do, if you're just tuning in, we are hearing a powerful testimony from drug and alcohol addiction to just a restored woman of God here. Um, but if you're, if you want to reach out for prayer or resources, I'm going to give you our phone number here at the Freedom House office, so you can call anytime. And if we're not in the office, we will return your call and give you a call back. But give us a call 907-260-3733, and we can hook you up. Um, if you have a loved one that's fighting addictions and just want um, advice or an ear to cry on or prayer, we will join with you in prayer and believe that God is going to move the same mountain that he moved for Deborah and myself. Uh, But this other beautiful story about Deborah, um, like she mentioned earlier, I've known her now for, it's got to be 13, 14 years back um, before her bout with the darkness. But her daughter, so when we were building Freedom House here about six years ago, um, so her daughter was like nine or 10, her oldest Um, I would travel to churches and I would share the vision of Freedom House. And during this time around the holidays, we would have what was called a Christmas tree or with ornaments on them. So I'd bring this little like two foot Christmas tree to all these churches. And we would have these little angel ornaments with initials of people that are struggling in addiction would be on the back of the ornaments. And it was a fundraiser. So what we would do is we'd share the vision of the of the home that we wanted to build and then people after church if they wanted to purchase an ornament um, they would give us a donation take the ornament home and then pray for the person's initials on the back of that ornament well deborah's daughter so this was like i said six years ago so deborah was in her addiction at this time her daughter came up to me and pulled out the most wrinkliest tattered dirty thin one dollar bill and she had this beautiful dress that i'll never forget this moment um and she pulled it out and she was just looking at all because these angels had glitter there was gold ones white ones silver ones they were just so cute and i could just see 
the look in her eyes and I said, would you like a, an angel to take home? And she said, yes, and I want to put my mommy's initials on it. She goes, but I only have a, this $1 bill and kind of put her head down. And I took that dollar bill and I gave her a silver angel with Deborah's initials on it. And I said, that's more than enough. I said, but you just keep praying for your mama. And so it's so beautiful. Six years later, we're hearing Deborah's testimony. She's got 14 months sober. Her daughter sewed into the home that she's living in, not only financially with that one dirty dollar bill that God, he take, that's what God specializes in. He takes what we have and he just blows our mind. We did a half a million dollars in renovations in four months and her daughter sewed in the seed money for this home to be a reality. It's so cool to see God's hand just woven through um, Deborah's life and my life. And if you take the time to look, I promise you his hand and provision and safety has been woven through your life as well because he loves us. So Deborah, we have a few minutes left on the show today. Why don't you tell people that maybe have never heard about Freedom House, um, like as a resident, maybe tell them how did you become a resident and what are some of your weekly, what do you got to do every week around here? Okay, so basically, um, obviously I applied to become a resident. You kind of, you give a short version of your story, you do an interview. Um, there are some rules, which is why, um, why honestly I fought for this place so much is because I needed a place that was Christ-centered. Um, I needed a place with structure because I was serious about doing something different with my life. You know, you can't um, just half do something if you really want it to work. So here they do have things where they minister the word of God to you. So if you're new and you don't really know much about this God thing, it's cool because you can learn. um, You have a discipleship. Uh, They do uh, monthly chapels, which is like you have dinner and a speaker and you pray. We do praise and worship once a week. Mm -hmm which is you sing and pray for each other. Um, that's on once week in the mornings. We also do two uh, devotions on mornings, Monday and Wednesday. And basically we get up and we all meet together. Um, we pray. Someone is appointed to do the devotion and go through the word or a specific Bible study with us. Uh, we do book of the month where we uh, read scripture or right now, like we're doing a Bible study all together that we um, meet with and do homework on, but it's, it's really awesome. And you learn about yourself. um, And you also learn about the Lord because that's our biggest tool in fighting these things in our life. These negative things in our life is God. And we need to learn his word to know it's like a map for success. And if we don't study the map, we don't know where we're going. And that's a dangerous place. We don't want to end up by our own guide. We end up in the darkness again. So yeah. so those are some of the things uh, we do in the house. We also, it's one of the most supportive environments I've been in in my life. It's so beautiful. You get a freedom friend and they can come to the house anytime. You meet with them. It's someone that's in the community that has some spiritual background and they can kind of minister you as a friend alike and show you the way life is is as a woman of God and it's really kind of a beautiful thing um just to witness these women who have been through their own struggles and are now giving back because it's like gives you something to look forward to no matter what level you're at in this program in this house there's someone 
there's room to grow, but there's also someone right above you that just came from where you're at. Right. And you can kind of see how to do it. And it's like these these uh, beacons of light. And it's... Okay. And it's just a really beautiful place. Um, I couldn't imagine anything else in my life being where I'm at. Like, it's... It's just amazing. I don't have the words. So if you guys have questions or you want to reach out for prayer or um, our website to apply is freedomhouse907.com. But our office phone number is 907-260-3733. Well, thank you, Deborah, for sharing your story with us today. I know it blessed me again, brought me to tears, and I know it blessed others out there. And so God bless you all, and we'll see you guys We'll hear you guys next week, same day, same time. 